0: John Amundsen. I want to welcome you to the next podcast in a series of podcasts presented for you by the Psychologists Association of Alberta. The purpose of the podcast is to present information that's timely, topical, and even controversial to the membership. The, um, the subject today is really a, a bit of a walk into the world of Arthur C. Brooks. Uh, Brooks is a, <clears throat> a psychologist, scientist at Harvard, and he has a uh, become kind of what we used to call in the 60s, 70s um, the, the latest kind of Joy Boy. And uh, Joy Boys used to be the guys that are up on the stage you know, and, and carrying on enthusiastically and, and uh, animating the, the audience. And I don't mean it in that way, I mean it relative to his area of research and his promotion of some concepts that relate to happiness. Uh, 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 if you go to his website, the first thing you see is there he is holding his book with Oprah. So he's a guy who's very excited about his work and about the degree to which it has been, been recognized and carried out in the world. And and this will also later speak to the very theories uh, and ideas that he promotes. So, in just a minute, I'm going to introduce a couple of his concepts that I think are fun for us to know about, and especially one that has really grabbed me in the last uh, the last month or two. Okay, so jumping right into the world of Arthur Brooks, uh, he's taken the work of some early researchers and then expanded upon this, and he's he's written a whole bunch of books, and you know predominantly books on you know how to be happier. Uh, uh, and what you need to think, and the basic constituents, and formulaic, and all that kind of stuff. But what I liked about the interview with him and the stuff he talks about is the PANIS, and that's the positive and negative affect schedule that was developed in 1988, I think, by Watson and Tilliger. This particular schedule is used to uh, measure and categorize individuals relative to their baseline level of mood and that means the baseline level and the frequency baseline level of frequency and intensity of particular moods and we all understand this in a kind of a a naive sense we know you know we know people that have a higher baseline uh, tolerance and expression of more what we call negative moods and then we know people that have a higher uh, baseline and tolerance and expression of, of Positive moods. Now, uh, uh, his uh, position in this, as as I understand it, is this isn't pejorative, and says everybody should be more this way and that, not that way. People should just understand that how they are, and he says genetically and biologically predisposed to a tolerance and presence and a more frequent and intense sense of. Either the upbeat or the more reflective and um, and and uh, detached sense of moods, and um, detached isn't the best word, but let's let's go right into some uh, of his examples and his categorization of this. You can go onto his website and you can actually take the test if you want. He takes the PANAS scale and then he says at the end he will classify you as one of four ways. All right. So the first one is individuals who have high tolerance for both um, uh, uh, negative and positive affect right and negative and positive moods so these are people that can be very very enthusiastic very excited very engaged in the world and then at the same time um, they're they're comfortable expressing uh, dissatisfaction or, or negativity so let's use the example of a physicist because uh, I'm, he, 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 I'm going to tell you what he calls these people in a minute. And the guy's working on an equation in his, in his, in his office, his lab, wherever he is. And he's putting all this stuff together and it seems to be really, really good. And then all of a sudden he goes, no, this isn't working out. And he throws his chalk and says, damn it, I just can't seem to get this right. So he has a tolerance for this strong and negative emotion and a po- tolerance for the high positive. And he calls these people mad scientists. That is, they uh, they are have high level of basic mood all the time in in both domains. Now it doesn't mean that they're bipolar or are are uh, harmful to their environment. They're just very comfortable with negative emotion and very comfortable with positive emotion. Um, so that that points in the direction of the next category and he says about this category this is where people would like to be and that is a higher level of positive mood all the time and a lower level of negative mood. a higher level of positive and a lower level of negative and these are people that are uh, less familiar with and less comfortable with the negative and they can tend to be rose-colored glasses and 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 see the upside of things and try to make the best he calls these people cheerleaders so you can understand how uh, many of us in the profession might come out on that side of it. Uh, we'd be mad, more mad scientists, and more um, perhaps more cheerleader. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, this is not about one of these quadrants is better than another. I'm going to emphasize this over and over. Um, we know that couples who do well are individuals who have a lower tolerance for negative mood so that when they're with each other and things aren't going well, they say, I don't like that feeling. I would rather be encouraging, engaging, um, and incorporative with my partner rather than, uh, you know, what the hell is that about? Well why can't you do that right? See it's not that those kinds of expressions are wrong but they just don't work well often with couples. So you hope that people have a lower tolerance or increase their tolerance for negative mood presence because the third quadrant he calls the poets and they have a more reflective flat Um, uh, uh, and I'm going to say negative mood level and less positive and they just um, don't start off seeing things as you know being okay they're 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 much more critical about things in the world and they can be more again reflectively expressive regarding the downside of things the last group and and I, I this is a really cool group and I'm going to give a couple examples of it are that they just have low mood all the time Low mood, just generally in their life, and if you've seen the Netflix show Wednesday, uh, it's based on the Addams Family, and um, uh, Wednesday is one of the children of the Addams Family, and she goes off to a private school, and when they um when they ask, "Oh, how did you get your name?" the mother says, "Oh, it's from my favorite poem, and the poem is." Uh, Wednesday's child is full of woe that's that's the the line and she has low in the in the in the Netflix show low positive low negative mood she's just very very flat and uh, in the show she has a roommate and her roommate would be a cheerleader she has high high positive affect and and doesn't express a, a lot of negative affect and of course they drive each other crazy because the the expression of the cheerleader uh, the the ju- and, and by the way that the low low they call them judging people they're very flat. They're very objective. They see the world and they can make good decisions about the world. They're not affected by the need to feel good or to feel bad. They just kind of go along. And, and so, uh, when they interact, you can see Wednesday is just her flat judging quality to it. Uh, she doesn't invest in high or, or low, um, um uh, mood, doesn't have it. It isn't there. Okay. So you've got these four quadrants, the mad scientist, high, high, the cheerleader, high, low, the poet, um, 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 low-high, and then the other one, low-both. And we can think of people in our lives. Uh, um, uh, just as an example, I was involved with the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. There many Russians were there because they were going to have the next Olympics in Sochi. So, you know, you're, you're going there, and as, as volunteers, people that are involved, you often, you know, you greet people and you say hi. And we'd make a joke because we would say that... Um, You know, you say hi to a Russian, and they look at you as if, do I know you, what do you want? See, so the the negative mood, uh, just this kind of flat, reflective, what is it about, uh, was much more predominant. And this leads to, then, another part of Arthur Brooks' comments. He says, genetically, we're stuck. We're, we're, we're put there hey eh? we've got this we've got this predisposition toward this um, frequency intensity of one or the other mood but he said that's potentiated and there's about a 40 to 50 percent impact of our developmental years how those moods are potentiated or dulled or, or whatever it is he includes in this then uh, cultural expression in my example of you know, smiling and saying hi to a Russian as a volunteer and having them look at you like, do I know you, what do you want, you know, um, uh, uh, was, was part of that uh, cultural endowment as, as well. Um, so, so what is his uh, bottom line with this? Uh, he says, well, you're, you're endowed, you're, you're cast into the world, uh, you're cast with this um, predisposition. And then it's good to know about your predisposition because with your predisposition, you can mellow them out a little bit. You see, the the high affect people, the high mood, high, high, they will interact with the low mood affect and be very irritating to the to the others, and and vice versa. They'll say, "Man, they, they never get enthusiastic. What's their story? Are they always going to be um, cynical and judgy about stuff?" And what's and what's the story? So understanding how you are can allow you to somewhat modify the expression of your tendencies. Uh, William James had said at one time that. Uh, uh, can, pe- uh, they ask, you know, can people really change? And he had said, no, your basic character is set. Ah, but like a wheel, you will roll forward and there will be rough bumps on the wheel. And uh, you can take off those rough bumps and you can roll better, so to speak, you know, uh, and, 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 and move, move a little smoother through life. And I think that's very consistent with this particular area of research. Now, um, I want to touch on one other point Because we think uh, often happiness is the absence of adversity. Nothing is bugging me. Nothing's going wrong. Everything's in its place, blah, blah, blah. And we pursue this illusion of what it means to be happy. And I've spoken of this as being on the hedonic treadmill sometimes that people say, I'm I'm running as fast as I can because I'm going to get someplace and and there's going to be happiness. And they're staying in the same place and they're just running because they're trying to put things in their place, avoid adversity, or, or any one of a number of, of other things. Um, and so he talks about, uh, and I like this term, self-initiated, self-controlled adversity. That individuals can be very happy in adverse circumstances where they have a hand in the game. So for example, going back to the physicist in their lab, in their place, they're exposing themselves to high demand characteristics, but because they feel they have a hand in that adversity, they, they find that it makes them very, very happy. So it isn't the absence of, of um, challenging, negative, and adverse circumstances, but it's the way we are in them and how we relate to them. It's also why taking the, the second quadrant the cheerleader type the high positive high negative they they often rise to the circumstances they rise to those challenges they sort of they sort of like to suddenly uh, find themselves in a situation where there's some demand characteristics and they can bring the their level of enthusiasm excitement uh, to them. Uh, The other example, of course, is people in athletics. Someone once asked Lance Armstrong, well, what's the happiness? What's the joy in doing this bike stuff? And he said, huh? What do you mean? There is none. Uh, It it just has to be done. It's compelling. So what he is saying is there is self-initiated adversity that has to do with a feeling of being present in the world. Now, I'm not going to go into his... um, his recipes for this, Uh, but one of the recipes that Brooks talks about is meaning that there are things in our lives that give us meaning and they're connected then to activities and this leads to to greater satisfaction so um uh uh, there it is there's our podcast and uh into the world of brooks and i think really for me today the biggest thing is this panis stuff i really like that and i like the fact that this is you know bedrock hard solid research that has been done and we can classify ourselves and others into these uh into these Categories. Uh, so let's march ourselves out with this idea of certain predispositions and uh, inclinations and we'll let King talk about his.
1: Born on a bad side, been down since I began to call. If it wasn't for bad luck, you know I wouldn't have no luck at all. I've been on my own.